You're listening to a podcast from 702. 702. Masterclass. Well, thank you for staying with us. Every Wednesday, we bring you a masterclass. So you can also suggest topics, nominate topics, and you can email me, azania at 702.co.za. We've done quite a number of uh, listener suggestions. Presentation, for instance, last week was a listener suggestion. And today, though, we are focusing on the breath. Um, I don't want to knock any other kind of practice or uh, sort of the means of healing uh, and so on. But I've tried different things over the years. And um, the one practice that has had the greatest impact and has left a big impression on me is breath work. So um, it's just fascinating to see the power of the breath, the healing power of the breath. It's powerful medicine when it's done optimally. And so today, um, because we are still struggling through this pandemic, um, we thought to bring on Dr. Ilamanga, who is an integrative medical practitioner, who is the founder of uh, Breathwork Africa. And she practices out of the most beautiful setting in Houghton, Her, where, she, where she's located is just sublime. You feel better just arriving there. Um, the place has beautiful gardens and it's just teeming with life. Um, so she's been doing this for a very long time and growing amongst others of course the breath community breathwork community in south africa there's several movements there's several uh, uh, uh vocal people around the world who are growing the movement and uh, dr ilamanga is one of those voices locally here in south africa and if you have any questions do give us a call in the course of this conversation on 011-883-0702 as you listen into what we will be unpacking so uh, part of our focus will be on on uh, uh, COVID-19 and uh, aspects of breath techniques to help us just get through this period, right? Whether infected or uh, harnessing our breath for prevention, um, just to, not prevention of COVID-19, but just uh, uh, illness prevention, just immune boosting uh, um, techniques that you can incorporate into your life. So I do have to state outright that I'm particularly biased. I am particularly partial to breath work as someone who's been uh, studying it over the past year or so. Good afternoon, Ila. Zania, hello. It's so wonderful to be talking to you. It's wonderful to have you back. I think we talked such a long time ago that we may have uh, neglected to uh, just bring in and uh, 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 make space for the breath to be a part of this conversation as we try to cope with this pandemic. Yeah, and really I see... As much as COVID-19 has been a tragic experience for many, a time of loss, a time of anxiety, a time of great fear, what it has done is brought our attention back to our breath, our most fundamental aspect of life, you know, this life-giving force that has always been with us. Mm. And I think that's why I love this so much, because it means harnessing something that we all have. Um, so it just access to it, accessing the breath is just down to making the time to do so and not uh, a particular kind of, it's not prohibitive at all. It's very easy to access. But if you reflect just for a moment, um, how this COVID-19 pandemic era has impacted breath work and our regard for the breath, how would you describe it? How would you describe in your own reflection? 
Well, as I said, Azania, you know, the, the breath is a fundamental pillar of health that has been disregarded mm. in the realm of health and well-being because it is something that we all do. It is always there. So we take it for granted. And we've seen conscious breathing or breath work in the realm of spirituality or something that yoga practitioners do, yogis do. And yet, when we can harness our own breath and use it in a way that we are designed to, then we are creating the conditions for healing to happen. Yeah. We are creating the conditions for the body's innate ability to heal, to kick in. And I think this is what really has come to the fore, that when, you know, we feel like everything has been lost, when everything is so confusing, that we are isolated from other people, what do we have? We have what's within us. We have the breath. And we come back to that as a way to relate to ourselves differently. Mm, mm, absolutely. You penned a, a piece call around the breath toolkit for doctors and patients through COVID-19. Why did you see the need to, to outline these? Well, you know, um, it was actually listening to a news report um, on 702 about two weeks ago mm. where uh, health professionals were expressing their absolute exhaustion and desperation, um, just working with people who were dying in ICU, dying alone, and being so overwhelmed uh, by, you know, this wave of uh, people with COVID infections and it's just the, the psychological impact of that. And also saying that they were just too tired to reach out for support. Mm. They were too exhausted to reach out to the support uh, structures, the organizations who were um, kind of creating these platforms to, to offer support for health professionals. And that really, really touched me, you know, and I thought, well, if we could just support people who are in this situation, not just healthcare workers, but also people who have lost loved ones, people who are alone, people who are experiencing these symptoms, to tap into something that is always there, to learn to work with the breath in a very skillful way. Mm -hmm. It's a very empowering skill set to have. And we all have access to it, and it's free, and it's available. We just need to be educated on how to breathe optimally. What does that even mean? Mm. And so that's why I saw the need to put out this very simple article, which outlines the pillars of healthy breathing. What does that even mean? Yes, what does that you look know, like? Because uh, I suspect, and as we've seen, in fact, that many of us don't breathe optimally, which can affect our health. Exactly. So, I mean, the first thing is to optimize the functioning of our main breathing muscle, which is the diaphragm. And most of us know the diaphragm as the breathing muscle, kind of a flat um, sheet of muscle that separates the chest from the abdomen. But when we really look at the diaphragm in detail and look at where it's attached and how it affects um, every the functioning of every organ and every organ system in the body, it's quite magnificent. Mm. And yet, because of our posture, because of chronic stress, because of 
um, you know, uh, our clothing, for example, all of these factors start to interfere with the way that the diaphragm functions. And it lands up being quite kind of stuck and restrictive. And as a result, we tend to use our accessory muscles to breathe. We use our helper muscles to breathe, the muscles in the neck and the muscles in the shoulders. And we start to develop a habit of breathing like this. And when we breathe like this, it activates the stress response. So we are feeding the stress response without even being conscious of it, just mm. by the way that we're breathing, this habit of breathing with our helper muscles. And we're using so much energy in the process of using these smaller muscles. Mm. So this is, to, yes, so, so to learning, you know, what the diaphragm actually looks like, how it attaches to the lumbar spine, how it attaches to... Uh, the rib cage and learning to mobilize it and use it effectively is the first pillar of healthy breathing. Which is when your belly moves out, when you take a, de- a, a breath in because you're pushing the diaphragm downwards as the lungs inflate. And then, of course, the belly moving right. in as the diaphragm takes on a caved kind of structure as the lungs empty when you exhale. That's right. And actually, breathing starts with the flattening of the diaphragm which creates a negative pressure in the lungs, which draws in the breath. That's what an in-breath in is. So as the diaphragm flattens, the belly not just moves out, but there's also a lateral expansion of the ribcage from side to side. So it's more than just the belly pushing out as we breathe in. We should also be feeling the ribcage moving from side to side. So there's almost a three-dimensional movement that we experience in the lower rib cage, mm. which means that we are sending breath right down into the bases of the, of the lungs, which has the richest blood supply. That's where we really want to get breath. Oh, so that's another consequence of the shallow breaths that stay at the top of the chest. Then we don't utilize the lower lungs, which has the biggest surface area. Exactly. And it's so interesting that when we put a pulse oximeter on people, um, you know, we could get a reading of, say, 95%, but when we are teaching diaphragmatic breathing, we immediately see that going up uh, quite significantly. Oh, the levels of just oxygen. Because, yes, exactly. Hmm. And just because we are using the diaphragm effectively. Hmm. Then we see a marked increase. Okay, so if someone's suffering at the moment, because what COVID has done, of course, has left some people experience this air hunger uh, feeling as if they're not, that they can't breathe. Uh, so what kind of techniques can we utilize to at least alleviate that? Yes, well, well one of the techniques that is being used in ICUs all over the world is self-proning or proning. And what essentially um, that is, is getting people to lie on their bellies. And when that happens, we're encouraging breath to kind of fall into the lower lobes of the lungs. Where, where our richest blood supply actually sits. So we're optimizing oxygenation of our cells by proning. And so for patients who are at home, who are being treated at home, uh, we really encourage them to lie on their, on their tummies, mm-hmm. obviously with support of cushions, so that they're really comfortable and to breathe like that um, most of the day.
Right. Okay. So we're going to take a break and we're going to continue our conversation looking at optimal breathing and some of the techniques you can utilize, not only if you're stressed, but also if you are dealing with COVID at the moment. The science of the breath, the art of the breath is so fascinating. I read somewhere that uh, the diaphragm actually helps to power the thoracic pump, um, which helps the, the heart uh, just pump blood in the body. And that's why sometimes the diaphragm is uh, called the second heart. So it just helps to power what's happening in our thorax and then, uh, 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 uh and just by virtue of breathing using, uh, the diaphragm. Let's take a break and we'll continue with, uh, Dr. Ilamanga and we'll take your questions as well around the breath and how you utilize it. Do you believe that you're breathing correctly or maybe you've observed that you're not optimally breathing? How do you change that? 11 702 Masterclass. Yeah, in the time remaining before we get to uh, the EWN headlines, let's also talk about uh, nose breathing versus mouth breathing. And I'm joined by Dr. Ilamanga in this masterclass around breath work. And we're taking your calls and your experiences with your breath. Have, what have you observed regarding your breath? So, Ila, let's look at the critical role that's play that's played by the the, the nose because uh, there's certain aspects that we don't see, that we don't know about, or even consider about the significance of uh, nose breathing uh, versus mouth breathing and the consequences that has on our health. I read in um, Breath, the book by James uh, Nestor, where he says the nose, after all, is a wondrous ornate organ whose structures work mm-hmm. as a tightly controlled system. I mean, it just makes it so critical to, to, to life. Absolutely. And if we look at the architecture of the nose, we'll see that it's so perfectly designed to slow down the air from the environment. And the slowing down gives the nasal passages an opportunity to filter the air, to warm it, to humidify it, to prepare this breath for absorption by the delicate tissues of the lungs. And uh, so it's, it really is fascinating. And when we get into this habit of mouth breathing, for whatever reason that is chronic sinusitis or deviated septum or whatever that may be, um, you know, we are bypassing the beneficial effects of nasal breathing. And this is part of what we are trying to educate people to uh, become aware of is how are they breathing at rest? Are we breathing habitually through the mouth when we are engaged in activity? Are we habitually breathing through the mouth at night? And this is something that we are identifying as a a chronic risk factor Mm -hmm. for inflammation and chronic stress, um, mouth breathing at night. So this has become quite a revolution, actually. Mm -hmm. And um, so much uh, of science backs this. And I really recommend, if anyone is interested in knowing more, to read Breath by James Nestor, but also The Oxygen Advantage by Patrick McEwen, who really goes into detail on the science of nasal breathing and why it is so important. You say there are 30, there are actually 30, uh, um, just the, the what the nose is doing, that it's busy or it, functions. it gives, yeah, that there's so much that the nose is yeah. busy with when we take that inhale. Absolutely. And one of the really important factors um, that's especially pertinent at this time is the release of the gas of nitric oxide. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, so there are specific techniques that we can also uh, use that will increase the production of nitric oxide in our paranasal sinuses. And nitric oxide acts as an antimicrobial, a natural antimicrobial. So what that means, it will have an effect on bacteria, on viruses that we breathe in from the outside environment. So this is an example of how breath is medicine, how we can activate our body's natural defense mechanisms by breathing more consciously. Mm. Uh, so this so idea of be breathing, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. taping the mouth, taping the mouth um, and kind of ensuring that your only option is to breathe through the nose. Uh, what is that exercise for and what are the benefits? Well, really, that is to train ourselves to get back to the most natural way of breathing, which is through the nose mm-hmm. in everyday situations. Obviously, there are times where we need to be breathing through the mouth. But when we are breathing through the nose, it's, is the body's natural way of maintaining a balance of our nervous system. Like I said, the, um, you know, we are filtering the air of all those dust particles. We are increasing the production of nitric oxide. And so when we are taping the mouth, we are simply training ourselves to return to that natural function of breathing which has become unnatural, which has become difficult. And so taping the mouth basically encourages us to breathe through the nose again Mm -hmm. and to reestablish a baseline of healthy breathing. Mm. Well, we're going to continue with more. Um, After this, we've got the latest in EWN headlines, and I'll read some of your WhatsApps and your experiences with the breath. We'll talk about carbon dioxide, for instance, because for so long, we've seen it as just a mere byproduct. Meanwhile, it has a greater significance in our health. So today, the focus in the masterclass is the breath, the power of the breath as a powerful as powerful preventative medicine when it is done optimally. My guest is Dr. Ilamanga. 702 Masterclass. We're back to talking the breath, looking at the breath this afternoon, and that is with Dr. Ilamanga. Uh, WhatsApp has come in, Ila, and it says, I always understood breathing to be an involuntary process unless there's a condition or disease which adversely affects it. How could one influence an involuntary process which function, functions well to sustain life? Evidence, he asks. Um, so we've got to go back and explain uh, what else makes this system so special. Yes, absolutely. And I'm glad that question came up, Zanya, because yes, it is an involuntary function. It's part of the body's autonomic nervous system uh, that is responsible for maintaining homeostasis in the system, like the temperature balance, like our glucose, like our heart rate. Yet the breath is one, well, the only autonomic nervous system function that we can consciously override. So we are able to consciously change the way that we breathe, Mm. which makes it really helpful. We are able to change our physiological state by changing the way we breathe. And we don't need evidence for that. We can just do it right now. Mm. We can slow down our breath. That's proof. We can speed it up. That's proof. Yes, there are many, many studies to show that show the physiological effects of doing that the chemical changes that happen when we change the way we breathe. 
but we can change our breathing right now, which is why it is such a powerful tool that anybody has access to. Yes, we can hold the breath and increase the levels of carbon dioxide in the body and, as you say, slow it down uh, or quicken it. Let's talk about carbon dioxide for a moment. Before the news, I was saying that for so long, we've, for many of us, maybe it's also due to what happens in that biology, biology class. We've just seen it as a byproduct, but it's actually um, more significant, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, you're right. So we have always been taught that we breathe in oxygen and we breathe out carbon dioxide. And while that is true, we only really breathe out a fraction of carbon dioxide. And in fact, we need a certain level of carbon dioxide in the blood in order for the oxygen molecule to be released from the hemoglobin. So we can have an oxygen saturation of 98% in our blood that we measure with the pulse oximeter. But what we really want is for that oxygen to reach the cell, the mitochondria of every single cell where this energy exchange takes place. And so this is the role of carbon dioxide, is that the oxygen molecule will only be released in the in the environment that has enough carbon dioxide. And that's why it is so important to maintain a way of breathing that keeps the carbon dioxide at this level that is optimally responsible for releasing the oxygen molecule into the cell. Mm, mm. And when we hyperventilate, when we are stressed, when we use the accessory muscles, we tend to overbreathe, which means that we're blowing out we're breathing out too much carbon dioxide from the system, which means the levels of carbon dioxide in the blood are too low for the optimum oxygenation of the cells to happen, the cellular respiration, as we call it. So if someone's for the coughing, for the wheezing or breathlessness or anxiety and, and panic attacks, what should one do uh, using the breath? Well, I think the first thing is not to wait for that to happen, to invest in your relationship with your breath so that when you are experiencing panic or anxiety, you already have a way of slowing the breath down, of using the diaphragm, of using a particular technique that will balance your autonomic nervous system. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so I think the answer to that is firstly, invest in your relationship with the breath. Train yourself to use your diaphragm. Train yourself to breathe through your nose at rest, which will probably lessen the, the risk of you having that anxiety attack in the first place. Mm-hmm. And we can also train ourselves to become more tolerant to carbon dioxide because remember that it is the level of carbon dioxide in the blood that actually triggers the brain to take a breath or the diaphragm to contract. So it's the level of carbon dioxide that actually triggers the breath. Right. So the less, the less tolerant we are to carbon dioxide, the faster our breathing rate will be because the brain is getting that signal more often. And so what we really want to do is to bring the, our breathing rate down. So why is slower better? Slower breaths, especially the exhale. Yeah, well, a slower breath means that you are getting more oxygen into your system. 
you are maintaining the balance of carbon dioxide and oxygen. But most importantly, you are moving towards the parasympathetic nervous system, which is our rest and digest mode. So we operate on the balance of two systems, the, the stress response or the energy response that we call the sympathetic nervous system that the body mounts when we are perceiving uh, stress or high demand. Mm. And that is balanced by the parasympathetic system, which is um, the rest and digest mode. This is where the body will do all its healing work. The cells are regenerated. Inflammation comes down. And so when we are focused more on the exhale, we are boosting the parasympathetic activity. And that is a core aspect of conscious breathing, is moving ourselves more towards the rest and digest mode because most of us are in what we call a state of sympathetic overdrive. So we are locked in this mode of adrenalized energy. And by consciously breathing and changing our baseline breathing, we are able to bring ourselves into a state of calm focus and balance once again. So that's how we're able to support our immune health. Absolutely, absolutely. Mm. Because the immune system functions optimally when we are more in the parasympathetic state. Right. Um, and the number of breaths in a minute, you know, sometimes for some of us, you would need a, a, a kind of sense of what is a slow breath, uh, what is maybe oh. a quick shallow breath. So if we're to look at numbers just as a guide, how would you describe mm. that? Well, what we want to see is a resting respiratory rate of between eight and 12 breaths a minute. That, so that's ideal. Mm -hmm. So I'm not talking about, you know, reactive breaths when we are typing or we're looking at our phone where the breath uh, stops. It's like what we call email apnea. Ooh. This is, a <laughs> yo, <laughs> we know that we stop breathing when we kind of typing, concentrating every time we open up a, a WhatsApp message, mm -hmm. notice what happens to your breath. So, uh, you know, that's obviously going to impact on your respiratory rate. So what I mean by resting respiratory rate is the rate of breathing when we are uh, at rest, just sitting normally, you know, what is our, our breathing rate? Mm -hmm. And so that will give us an indication of whether we are in sympathetic overdrive, whether we are breathing optimally, because, uh, you know, the faster we breathe, probably the more sympathetic activity there is in the system. Mm -hmm. and the shallower the breaths and we using accessory muscles. So it just becomes a whole vicious cycle, you know. And uh, just by changing the way we breathe, uh, we are, you know, affecting so many systems in the body. And you mentioned earlier how the diaphragm acts as a thoracic pump, and I think that's a, such an important point mm -hmm. because when the diaphragm works effectively, you know, when there's flexibility and it moves beautifully, we are actually massaging every organ in our abdomen with every breath we take. And every time that diaphragm flattens with the in-breath, the heart moves down because the diaphragm is attached to the pericardium of the heart. Mm. So the heart is actually moving up and down. And if we look at um, uh, MRIs, we can actually see what is happening in the entire body with every breath that we take when the diaphragm is moving beautifully like that. It's quite phenomenal. Wow. 
Let's take a break. And after this, we go straight to your calls on 011-8830702. We're talking the breath, the healing power of the breath and optimal breathing with Dr. Ilamanga. Uh. 702 Masterclass. And we're back with Dr. Ilamanga taking your questions around the breath this afternoon because we've been bringing you a masterclass on using your breath to really cope with what is happening right now with the pandemic, whether you're infected with COVID-19. Uh, there's certain things that you can do, techniques that you can harness uh, to use the breath to help you cope. Ila, here's a question. It says, for a long time, I've been forcing myself to belch to create a space for air uh, in my respiratory system. But that comes with consequences um, as it is doing more harm than good. I get panic attacks as I feel breathless. I'm not sure if if you're clear on uh, what the person is saying. So they force themselves to to, to belch, but not with good consequences. Mm. So that's really interesting because what's happening with the belching is that there is an activation of the diaphragm. So intuitively, um, the listener is actually working with getting their diaphragm going as a way to get in more breath. But it doesn't have to be as as harsh as that. You know, when we learn how to open the diaphragm, when we learn kind of how to use the spine and open up the side ribs, we can learn to use the diaphragm more skillfully. So that, uh, and hence the, the feeling of a panic attack afterwards because of what he's forcing on the system. Absolutely. So a little trick that is really helpful is to lie on your back with your knees bent and to place a heavy book or something heavy on your belly yeah. and to feel that as you inhale, you are moving that object up towards the ceiling and you are feeling your side ribs moving from side to side at the same time. So you're really getting the sense of the diaphragm moving. Mm. And, and to train yourself to do that and to slow down the breath. And then to use that when you feel like you are having difficulty breathing. Because you're creating more space in your thoracic cavity that way. And encouraging breath to move into the bases of the lungs. Yes. Uh, and then another one says, what about hiccups? What do I do to stop them? Ah, so hiccups, once again, is a spasm of the diaphragm. It's a, it's a constant contraction of the diaphragm. That's what a hiccup really is. And that's why, you know, the old um, kind of advice that we've been taught to hold the breath, what's actually happening when we hold the breath is that we are keeping the breath, the, the diaphragm rather flattened and in that kind of contracted um, space as we kind of just recalibrate it again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's why breath holding or holding the breath at the top of the inhale can be a helpful strategy. Right. Um, and then another WhatsApp says, does the doctor have case studies on how the breath has been able to help with certain conditions, maybe about her patients? Oh, absolutely. Mm. Um, so I work very closely with a cardiologist who has a way of measuring um, how um, stressed somebody is by measuring their sympathetic state versus their parasympathetic state. And it's really interesting how 85% of his patients uh, have what we call sympathetic overdrive or in chronic stress. And so I've been working with uh, his patients quite closely 
And just by re-establishing the basic parameters of breathing, we are already seeing such a massive impact in their pain levels, their ability to sleep better, their um, immune system, just there's improvement in the immune system, inflammatory markers, and this is immeasurable, you know. Um, mm -hmm. And we, we don't just work with the breath in isolation. We work with the breath and the body at the same time. So how do we work with a movement to encourage um, the breath to move optimally? You know, as I said, the diaphragm is attached to the spine. So we are able to improve spinal health by learning to use the diaphragm properly. And, and uh, vice versa, when we reestablish alignment of the spine, that improves the function of the diaphragm. Mm -hmm. So it really is an amazing and simple entry point to shift uh, our, um, our current health state to move back to optimum well-being on all levels, physiologically, uh, biochemically, and psychologically and emotionally. Hmm. It sounds like a lot on something that we do every day. Uh, what is the figure again that apparently we breathe 25,000 times a day? <laughs> it sounds like a lot from yeah. something that is taken so much for granted. Uh, Buyi has written and she says, with so much happening in the past couple of months and preparing for the future, I've started meditating as a form of relaxation and just to get lost and away from everything. It's been a week now and I'm struggling to work with my breathing rhythm. So perhaps um, back to the question that we got about the uh, the, the breathing system or uh, just the breath being part of an involuntary system. How do we first become aware? How do we first start to tap into and harness the breath? Mm. Well, I think the starting point is just to simply observe the breath. So not trying to change it in any way, not trying to breathe in a particular rhythm or particular style, simply to watch the breath. And this is the basis of any meditation practice, the basis of any mindfulness practice, is simply observing and noticing what we're experiencing. You know? And the more we start to watch the breath, the more we will start to become aware of everything else. We'll become aware of thoughts. We become aware of physical tension patterns. We become aware of our emotions. And just the awareness of everything else can also be overwhelming. So to train ourselves to return to the anchor of our awareness of the breath is really powerful and sparks up the neural pathways in the brain that are responsible for focus and calm and concentration and compassion for ourselves and just a more soft, easy way of being. Mm. Oh, that's a lovely point so to end it off on. Yes, mm. is a good entry. Um, and then the rest can follow because you'll see the effects in your body. Ila, thank you so much. Thank you once again um, as we center the breath uh, as and being part of this masterclass. Thank you, Azania. It's always such a pleasure to talk to you. Thank, thank you. For you. That's Dr. Ila Manga. Uh, you can check out Breathwork Africa. And she founded that just to advance the breath movement in South Africa. And it's been said, of course, that the missing pillar in health is breath. It all starts there. And if you have modern maladies like things like asthma, anxiety, um, a, a number of others, they can be assisted with whatever you are pursuing. But just add the breath to it 
as a means of uh, um, coming to self-regulating and managing such conditions better. It is absolutely, absolutely powerful. In the book that we were referencing by James Nestor, one of um, the free divers that he features, the person says that some methods of breathing will nourish our brains while others will kill neurons. Some will make us healthy while others will hasten our death. Our, our death. And so all of these keys are to be unlocked in the breath. Believe it or not, they are.